We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento Kings. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I am James Ham, your Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me. Mr. Sean Cunningham from ABC 10. No. Yes. Got it. Got yes. it. Nailed it. Yes. You're so well, good. Why I struggle <laughs> with that is beyond me. <laughs> Every time I go, like it goes down, I'm like, yeah, mm. yep, boom, mm. got it. Mm. Yep. Is he going to say it right? Is he not? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot of things I jam into my head, and that's one of those things that for some reason doesn't stick. Like, uh, yeah, that. I'm an elephant. I can remember everything um, from about five years ago on all the way down to like when I was a small child, uh, which startles people sometimes. But uh, you get me anything that happened today and I'm pretty much in trouble. Yeah. Like, where are my keys? Where's my wallet? Uh, That's why I can relate. I become a nutty professor in my old age. Like uh, the the short term memory is shot. all right, so let's just start out with the basics. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, give us a thumbs up. And Can you do it twice? Sub- is it yeah. is it possible to do twice? I'm not sure. I don't know either. Uh, just keep hitting it. Just, uh, yeah, mash like, it. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, that's number one. Number two, um, if uh, you're on the YouTube channel, make sure to subscribe. Um, our push is to get to 1,000. We're almost to 500. We're almost halfway there. Uh, which is awesome. Living on a prayer? Yeah, there it is. There it is. (laughs) Um, And then uh, make sure to jump on the King's Beat. Um, We're working on the next happy hour. Um, We'll probably announce in uh, maybe maybe Saturday when I do the the weekend review. We'll announce when the next happy hour will be, but it is going to be after February 10th uh, just because there's no way for us to do this. Uh, The Kings have not made a trade, which means they still could make a trade, and I don't want to get in the middle of a happy hour and have things go south on us like super quick. Uh, we're working on a guest for that. Um, we'll know that soon. 
uh, and uh, it should be some good stuff. Um, so jump on King's Beat, subscribe. Uh, you can find it in the description on the YouTube channel as well. Um, and then if you uh, you choose to do so, jump on and do a uh, premium subscription to the King's Beat, which gets you an invite to the happy hour. Um, Sean, we got we get some ground to cover here. Um, yeah, we do. Yeah, it's weird, right? Like, it doesn't matter that we do a pod twice a week. There's still so much content, and and it doesn't matter that the the Kings are absolutely uh, atrocious most nights. Um, there's still a ton of content to work through. Um, first and foremost, let's just let's just chat about the uh, the Kings win over the Brooklyn Nets on um, let's see on Wednesday night. Uh, unexpected. How that Stunning. happened? How did that happen, Sean? I mean, James Harden just four points. Like what? Against the Sacramento Kings. I mean, and and, and it probably didn't dawn on either of us until like halftime, right? Like like. At one point, I was like, is he just not going to take shots? And he was like, I think one of 11 or two of 11 at one point. And he tried to become a factor later on. And I think Brooklyn just thought that they were going to be able to do what a lot of teams come in and do. And, oh, five minutes to go. Okay, here's where we just step on their throats and finish him like in Mortal Kombat. Finish it! (laughs) The fatality. Rip out the Uh, spine of the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, the beating heart is just right there. (laughs) Uh, And it it just didn't happen that way. Um, And and it it didn't happen that way because I think this team collectively, at least a few handful of guys who look at the opportunity ahead of them trying to make the most of it, had a starting lineup change. They went a little bit bigger. They finally just had enough. You know, I mean, there was some heart on display in that game. And, you know, there wasn't a lot of people in the building, but the building was really good. Like, there, that was a really good crowd. And, and they were, I think that they responded the right way to what was the product that was and, and some of the performances that were on the court. And they, they were definitely an appreciation there. And it, it, it was much needed. It really was, especially in just such a dark and dreary time when you'd lost like 12 of 14, seven in a row. And now you're you win that game and now you're in a moment. I tweeted this last night because I just went, this is so Kings or even possibly Kings when you can go lose to Houston, follow that up by losing to Detroit, lose five straight, come back, beat Brooklyn, who by the way is reeling. I mean, they're just, that's their six straight loss. Uh, but you lose to Brooklyn or you beat Brooklyn. And then here you are playing the Warriors on a Wednesday or a Thursday night. And what if you beat them? I mean, that'd just be so Kings, wouldn't it? It would be so Kings. So, like, for me, it was like, one night only. For one night only, we're going to come out here and punch somebody in the face. And uh, I I liked what I saw. To be honest with you, they were scrappy. And that's all we ask, right? Like, if you're not going to be good, at least be scrappy. At least make it close. At least fight. And Alvin Gentry, I think, coached his ass off in that game. Yeah. Like, the... He, he couldn't um, – so I think if you're not – if you're just watching from the outside and you're like, man, why does Nick Claxton have 23 points and 11 rebounds and five blocks? That was hard to watch. <laughs> your first thought is like, oh, my gosh, Rashawn Holmes is playing so bad. And the fact is, like, did Rashawn Holmes play great? No. But the design was very specific. It was to have Holmes shock, uh, like, run at – um, they had him guys. on the perimeter. Yeah, they had him out on the perimeter. Yeah, go at Kyrie and go at James Harden and stop those guys. And if that guy beats us, that guy beats us. Now, 
like, I, I will say you. this. <laughs> he did beat you for that first But he half. didn't. <laughs> but he didn't. Right. Because you still won. And so I'll say this. Like, while that's what their game plan was, the Kings game plan, we clearly saw what the Nets game plan was. And that was to stop Tyrese Halliburton and slow down uh, Harrison Barnes. And if Davion Mitchell can beat us, that's fine. But realistically, the two guys they tried to have, like, they gave the opportunity to beat them was uh, Mo Harkless in the corner and Chemezi Metu in the corner. They just kept leaving him wide open. And that was by design. We talked about this before. Like, hey, by design, teams are having these guys shoot. And you got to be better than that. And so... I think both Mo Harkless and Chemezi Metu both came up big in, in situations. Uh, I think Harkless finished with 10 points, um, but his defense was nuts. And, and not only his defense, Sean, but he was like the orchestrator of the defense. He was, he was yelling and screaming at everyone. Yeah. He was the IQ. Him and Tyrese were yes. the IQ of the team. And I, th- I think you could sprinkle Davion in there to a degree as well. And, James, you mentioned some. I mean, you talk about Rashawn and just some of the things that they were doing. Once Alvin made the adjustment, I mean, Rashawn was only like 21 minutes, which meant Mo Harkless, who hadn't played in a long time, at least in bulk minutes, Damian Jones, and Shemezi Metu, without the services of Marvin Bagley, all three of those guys played more than Rashawn Holmes, your starting center. I, you know, I didn't Sean, think I'd see that, and especially in a close game. The reason why we, I, I think we saw it though, because I do think Holmes would have come back in and played minutes late, but I it think was Gentry, Gentry ran with what was working. He yeah. ran with what, because even like Harrison Barnes didn't come back in, and Harrison Barnes was really good. I mean, he was really, I, I think he finished with 19, six rebounds, like four assists. Like he was playing well, um, but you got to a point where it's like, hey, this is working. And I'll point this out. Like, Chemezi Metu had 11 points. I think it was 11 points and 12 rebounds. He got mm-hmm. so many rebounds in the fourth quarter. You're just like, hey, look at that. We had Damian Jones and Chemezi Metu fighting over rebounds. Like, when was the last time you saw two kings fighting over a rebound? I've seen two kings fighting not to get a rebound, but fighting to get a rebound? I don't <laughs> think I've seen it. And then, you know, the other thing, Sean, I'm going to point out, um, because I tweeted out uh, the kings are getting a standing ovation. And, like, I was surprised. Number one, that tweet went, like, I don't know, like, last time I checked, it was well over, like, 200 likes. Um, but I have people who are spouting off. Like, oh, you mean, like, all 12 people? And you know what, Sean? I, like, this is, like, I, I hate to be this blunt, but F you. <laughs> F you. If you're going to be an asshole and... <laughs> respond to something like that you know why there was eight thousand people or nine thousand people in the stands because you didn't go buy a ticket and go to the damn game so f you mr negativity the people who sat there and watched that game stood up and cheered for their team because that's what fans do your team fought they had a good game so f you bad take Kings fan in my timeline like I, I'm just sitting there like you should just shout out his handle him his man or her handle, how you know? rude are you oh, well I could go down there's a list of them and I'm like but that that just shows that again there's this big disconnect and, and I think people give and and I don't mean to slam you here James but it's like I think people give the voice of Twitter 
sometimes I like to call the friend of the friendless. Um, you give it, you amplify it too much. Meaning yeah. somebody who says something like, what are the comments in a Facebook, all that stuff? Like it's just a negative spot. Like it's just where vile trash just thrives. So uh, I think you even mentioned the other day, I think well, no, it was last night. <laughs> I don't actually, I don't know if it was you. I don't want to throw you under the bus. It was somebody, somebody on press row uh, took, took notice that the fans cheered Buddy Heald. And oh no, that was like, me. That, that was, was like, hey. they're like, wow, they're cheering Buddy Heald. And I'm like, well, yeah, if you only listen to Twitter, you know, or if you only listen to Twitter, you would you would have a different reality than what actually exists. And I think, you know, that was on display when Marvin Bagley took the floor after what happened uh, to start the season and all that stuff. Like the, the people in the building who spend the money, who are exactly the type of consumer that they go after, um, or they should, you know, they're trying to curtail the game experience and all that stuff. Like these people are the ones that are investing their hard-earned dollars. And their time. Like, it's one thing to invest your time, but to invest your money as well, that's that's something. I mean, it's not cheap. <laughs> Even though there is some competitive ticket pricing right now, which is pretty nice. I mean, they have to do it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, good for them. I had – it was funny. I have a cousin of mine. He's not a – really a sports – he's a pretty diehard 49er fan. And he had upper deck tickets to the game. And he took, you know, his wife and his daughter. And I think they got together with – uh, another couple or another family that they are in they were at the game and he, this guy hadn't been to a Kings game since really I think that maybe the first year the building opened in Golden One Center mm. so yep. um, th- it just shows you that there's Twitter and, and the narratives and some of the things like it doesn't affect it's just it makes up such a tiny tiny amount of things that of the reality of the situation and sometimes people just echo those voices too much and i i hear it james like i i see it too like I, there's a it's cynicism there's so much that stuff that exists and i see it every single night and uh i i just you know for me i i don't know i maybe i just don't have like i get amused by it i i really do like i i, I find and a level of entertainment out of the cynicism and the stuff that I can see people take the time out of their day to, to comment to. And I, everyone has a breaking point and that one, <laughs> that one got you. <laughs> that one, you know, it just like, it, it just stuck out because it's like, I've had, we've had this conversation on here, yeah. right? Like I've said, like, look, if you're a season ticket holder and you can't sell your tickets and you're not going to go to a game, whether you don't want to go to a game or whether you can't go to a game, like, just walk outside your front door. Walk down to a neighbor's house with, with kids. Knock on their door and say, hey, I got two tickets to the game tonight. Would you like to go? I'm not going. Free. Just give them away. Like, let someone else go. Because it is, like, for all of the bad basketball, Golden One is still a magical building. And if you're going to get young people to get out and to see something and to be get to experience something that maybe their family can't afford or they don't get to do, like just open your eyes a little bit and and try to be try to be better. I think that's what it was for me. It's like, man, like I, I get you digging on the how bad the kings are, but don't dig on the the people who actually showed up when you didn't. That's just yeah. rude. It's just well, rude. and and honestly, like I, I don't even I get it, but at the same time, like to me, it's it's. Some people want to send the message that they're fed up. You know, some people would rather see an empty seat there that they paid for and just to send the message. And I'm fine with that. Like if do what you do. But yeah. I'm 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 more of the what you said, James, because you can make open up somebody's eyes, you know, you can make a difference. You can take that pressure off of their everyday lives, even if it, I mean, yeah, bad basketball, whatever, but 
you know, Kyrie Irving and James Harden were in the building last night, and it wasn't a good James Harden. It wasn't even a particularly good Kyrie Irving, but Kyrie Irving's only played. I mean, he's a, still a champion and a seven-time All Star and one of the best best ball handlers you'll ever see in your life. And you know, that's it, that's. I was excited to see him. I mean, we hadn't seen him. He's only played what thirteen games the entire season because of this whole unvaccinated stuff that he's got to deal with in New York. And you know, it's just stuff like that where just go be entertained, go have fun. It's a night out, you know. I agree. Um, and you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna take a, a second here. Will of the people, uh, follow him on tri- Twitter, Will of the T-H-A people. Um, he's one of the Sacktown royalty guys. Uh, mm. Well, what used to be Sacktown royalty. He's one of the King's Herald guys. And he has started a, a thing that every single time the Kings lose, he chooses a place to donate to, and he, he donates 10 bucks, And... It's caught on. So all of a sudden, every time the Kings lose, like some anonymous nonprofit in Sacramento is getting flooded with $10 donations from random Kings fans who have had enough. And to me, those are ways that you can make an impact. You can be positive and, you know, in a bad situation. Like, look, we're in a bad situation. Like, (laughs) we're not telling you, we're being honest with you every step of the way here. Like, we're not telling you that everything is fine, that, you know, move along, nothing to see here. Right, right, right. Like, this is a full-fledged shit show. Excuse my language. And it, let it, it fly. It is what it is, right? We're, we're seeing a team that's now, they won a game, and they improved to 15 games under 500. And, Sean, we've got to a point where the season is winding down. Like, it, like this thing is sneaking up. Like, we're already, I, I think, what did I do the math? I, I think there's 29 games left in the season. And they're between now and the All Star. I mean, in the uh, the trade deadline, there's four games. At the trade deadline, there's only going to be 25 games after the trade deadline, and then All Star Week hits right after that. And there's only going to be like 22 games or 23 games after the All Star break. This is really strange the way this this whole thing is laid out. Um, but you know, I, I think what that brings us to is like the Kings are a mess. But they're not just a mess on the court. They have this other situation that's happening. And um, we're going to run some clips here in, in just a minute on De'Aaron Fox. But, Sean, uh, you and I were – it was you and me and uh, Jason Anderson from Sacramento Bee. Um, we went to uh, shoot around on Wednesday and were graced with the, uh, the presence of De'Aaron Fox, which – Again, it's kind of a weird situation. The last time the Kings played in Sacramento, De'Aaron Fox was on the court. Um, then they fly uh, to Milwaukee, and he starts this five-game hiatus where he's he's not playing and and he's got an ankle injury. Um, so let's let's start with the the long clip of him sort of breaking down the ankle injury. And again, remember, like this is Sean and I and Jason. Um, just kind of like rapid firing De'Aaron uh, at the practice facility. So you're going to hear like balls bouncing in the background and all that stuff. But uh, let's let's roll the clip. Hopefully I got the right clip because we got a couple of them today. So I guess just how's the ankle feel? I um, mean, it's getting better. Um, you know, I want to come back as close to 100% as I can. How um, much does it surprise you that it's been this long since, since you've been on the court? Uh, well, I've, I mean, I've twisted my ankle like a lot. Like a lot of times, uh, that's the reason I wear the ankle braces, and I'm usually like been fine. It hurt for a little bit, but um, in Milwaukee, it just 
felt different. I tried to do a move, it hurt. So um, I was out, and it's kind of been lingering the same, uh, the same thing over and over. So uh, for me, it's just trying to be able to come to a stop without you know, feeling pain. When are you? Uh, do you think you'll be back tonight? How soon do you think you'll be back? Uh, I mean, I don't have an answer to that. Whenever it's not hurting to where every every cut I make hurts. So I, mean, I don't know. Is that mostly lateral? Yeah, it's, it's all lateral. That's 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 what it is. Like jumping, running straight, like I'm fine. Uh, it's the cutting that that got me. Did it, did it happen at a practice or how, how did that happen? No, the, the Detroit game. Okay. Uh, but I said, I've done it a lot of times in games, so it's you know I'll say something, whatever. I'm fine. Keep playing. Um, I mean, I finished the game, so uh, I mean, I didn't think it would happen like that. Has you had MRIs and you had X-rays, all that stuff? I had an MRI, yes. And everything's all right? I'm not a doctor. I don't know all the <laughs> terms. I don't know all the terms. Is it, is it high? No, no, no. It's, it's low. It's low. Okay. Is, is there any part of you that, like, because of, of the time that it's been, where you almost want to, like, check with a specialist or anything like that? Um, yeah, I don't think it's that far. Yeah. The, the MRI, you said you're not a doctor, but they told you there's nothing structural or yeah. anything else. How about just, you know, you've had a pretty front row seat for some of this past five games. I mean, it looks like it's it looks like it's kind of troubling. And maybe to you guys it might feel like this is kind of par for the course of where you guys have been this season. But did it feel like this one carried a little more weight to it? Uh, I mean, we've been on losing streak before, so I, I think, uh, you know, I don't know if I'll say it carries more weight. And we're All back. Right, Sean. <laughs> and we're back. Uh, yeah, actually, I hadn't listened to it like that before. Uh, my mic did pick up a lot of background noise, which, you know, it happens. I mean, I use my phone with a with a road mic. Um, so he's had an MRI. We put the uh, we put the hot lights on him. It was almost like it was an interrogation. I felt like that, too. It was rapid fire. It was like, uh, you know, that was two minutes and I think 14 seconds of like, do, 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 like, and here's the thing, like people might not get this. Like you can, I do this. I, I, I tell people about this when I interview high school athletes because high school athletes are very nervous. They're not used to the attention. They're not used to spotlight being interviewed, that kind of thing. And sometimes you'll get, you'll go talk to like a high school football player and you're asking him questions and he gives you like, like, yeah, he answers a question with yes or no, or, you know, doesn't really elaborate too much. So what I try to do is realize, let him know that, Hey, I can be here all day. I can ask questions like, I can come up with anything. We're not going anywhere. So um, it's it's our duty to be able to find out information. And it's it's also tough when in your mind when you're trying to have to, all right, we have somebody who's – I thought De'Aaron was pretty cooperative, to be honest with you. I thought he was pretty cooperative. He just clearly didn't really want to talk about it um, because it it is a little bit of a mystery to him. And we eventually get to a point, and I know we have another clip coming up, but – that's why we had to pepper because you have somebody who is kind of being a little evasive. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And like, I don't think he, he didn't try to mislead us. Um, the, I'm not a doctor thing was like, come on, bro. Like I'm not either, but I play one on Twitter all the time. Like, so just stop. Like, just tell us what the deal is. Well, you're not a doctor, but you do know that if your MRI comes back, clear or negative or there's nothing there then you should say that yes yes like exactly. like those and, aren't those aren't medical terms those are there is no. there anything in your on your mri that was worth that was a concern and that's why i brought up the specialist because 
that's next. I mean that that is what's next. I mean this is this is all residual from his grade three ankle sprain. Yes, uh, which was two years Where ago, he, last year. Uh, two thousand. I looked it up. November two thousand nineteen, and we're talking yeah, about a, a grade three Pretty ankle sprain that he came back from in seven weeks, as opposed to the twelve to like sixteen weeks that most play, players take. I know even Lonzo Ball had had a very similar injury like right around the same time uh, or, or right before that. And Lonzo Ball missed over three months. I mean, and, and Fox was back. He, I think he missed 19 games. Um, and he wasn't right like the whole time. We could tell he wasn't right. He didn't have the same explosion. Um, but I kind of wonder, like, number one, did he come into camp with just not 100% healthy? Like, uh, we've, we've heard a lot about, like, De'Aaron Fox has been slightly disconnected. Uh, that he hasn't been the same person in the locker room, uh, that things have been, like, just off. Like, he, he, he felt like he was off from the moment he got to Sacramento uh, or that he got into the practice facility with the team at training camp. Um, I think we can make a lot of, like, speculative reasons why, uh, you know, and there, there are plenty, like, it's, I don't think it's just physical. I think there are plenty of, like, you know, psychological reasons why he, he didn't feel right. Um, we've discussed some of that. He wasn't, I don't think he was particularly happy about the fact that the team didn't make a bunch of moves that, that some of the guys that were there uh, that didn't want to be there were still with the team. I think he, you know, that was some issue. And I also think that it, after like four plus years of losing, you come in and you start losing again and it snowballs and it gets on top of you. And, you know, I, I think I even asked him at one point, like, did this give you a mental break? And he said, no, because I had COVID and like that gave me a mental break as well. Um, so like, I wouldn't say that. But you know what, Sean, I, I don't buy that either. Because we talked to him a couple of like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, four weeks ago. He was worn out. He was beat down. That's not the Fox we saw yesterday. We saw Fox, the Fox we saw yesterday was sort of like the the young, cocky dude that we've been used to seeing for the last couple of years. Like from the time he mm -hmm. got into the league, he's fun, he's engaging, he's a smartass, uh, he's witty, and like can he be evasive? Is he giving you everything? Like I remember that clip about like someone asked him about his dating things and he's like, Dude, I'm Sorry, 19 what? years old about his dating, like like whether he's using apps to date and stuff on his phone. This are, was before. Are you swiping right? <laughs> yeah. Someone asked him, and he's like, man, I'm 19 years old. I'm a, I'm a millionaire. Like, what do you think I'm doing? Like, he he's always been, like, that guy. Right. And I totally feel like we lost him this season. Like, almost, like, at a certain point, like, almost soulless coming in and just broken. And it was like. Damn, Kings broke De'Aaron Fox. Um, I saw that that side of him yesterday. I saw the the chippy, the uh, the like quick witted side of him, which I think we've we've kind of like we've seen gone missing. And so I, I don't want to say that like that he's all better or that because he's still not playing. And and to be honest with you, Sean, I don't know if he's ever going to play for the Sacramento Kings again. We got we got like seven days until the trade deadline one could, week from to from the day we record this podcast so yeah one week from today 
Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's kind of the weirdness of this whole thing. Like, this could be how he kind of ushers out the door if he does get traded between now and uh, and next Thursday. And he doesn't play between now and next Thursday. That's what I mean. Like, I, I don't think that they're I, – well, I mean, I think all things are, are being considered. Yeah. And, you know, going back to the – I don't know if there's the whole – I, I've always kind of seen him as the same guy. I think the losing obviously carries a weight to it, um, but also like I think he knows he hasn't played in the last five the last five games prior to when we were talking to him, and they hadn't won anything. And I think part of the worn out stuff was I think he knows that he has to play at a certain level for this team to sustain success, and he may not be completely comfortable with that. Also, I do think the ankles have been bothering him, but it's not. You know, obviously, he mentioned it's lateral movement. The lateral movement is your athleticism. People think running and jumping is the athleticism. It is, but your lateral movement is the is the way to tell an athlete and how they move laterally. Like, that's your athleticism in basketball. I have so many people who've told me that over the years, and it's really true. Like, you know, it's it's if you can't move laterally and you can't stop and cut and have that type of movement – and he's talked about it. He doesn't have the, the, free, the free motion in his ankle that he once did since – suffering that grade three sprain you know that's that's a problem like you're never no athlete is ever going to reach 100 percent again it's always a gradual decline as you go yeah you know and, and deer and fox might need an ankle surgery that's just the reality of it you know and maybe that happens this offseason maybe it doesn't you know who knows but a specialist will be in the future um probably has been in the offseason you know i think there's 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 cause for concern, but can he play? Like he talked about, I can run and I can jump. It's the stopping. It's the cutting. It's the lateral motion. You know, that's the stuff. And again, it's simply pain tolerance. And I know we get into that in the next clip, but um, if your MRI is coming back, everyone's literally looking at you like, well, what what are you willing to do? Like what – he talked about how he's been able to finish games, finish games, finish games. The one question we weren't able to ask, mainly because I didn't get to – we didn't have a whole lot of time with the guy – yeah. I thought he answered a lot of questions. You could kind of tell he was done with it. But if I had another one, I'd ask, where's the pain level now, days later? I mean, we're talking two weeks later, really. Where's the pain level to where it it was in the Detroit game when it happened and you were able to continue to play through? Like, like where's the barometer there? Because clearly the pain is preventing you to pl- from playing. And obviously, you know, in your mind, you don't want to suffer that pain. You may not want to make things worse. You may not want to turn it again. You know, I get all that, but where is where are, where's that pain level compared to what when it happened to where you felt like you were able to push through? And I don't think it helped that Alvin Gentry said when it happened, oh, if it was a playoff game, you probably could play. Because I think Alvin thought he'd have him back in the next game or two. Because all the staff is saying, well, there's nothing wrong. You have a clear clear MRI, you know, all this stuff. But it's just literally pain tolerance. So yeah. now that you're two weeks after having that moment. You know, now it, it, there's clearly a problem there, and hopefully he's closer to being able to gut through it as opposed to being to the point where he just can't give it a go. Yeah, I mean, he said a couple of things. Number one, he said um, that he is getting better. Uh, number two, he said he's not going to play until he's on, as close to 100% as possible. Um, like, I, I don't expect him to play on Thursday night against the Warriors. I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, like, just the way that we talked to him yesterday – um, like it, it's a really weird thing where the Kings just have to p- keep putting him as questionable and then hope that something changes and then he decides to play. 
Uh, and, and look, I think we all know that De'Aaron Fox relies so much on his lateral quickness. It, it's, there are some guys who are, are literally, they're called inline drivers, right? Guys who go right at the basket. That's not Fox. Fox likes to move laterally. And if he can't move laterally, that's a problem. And so I think that that's where we're at. Now, could he play? I, I'm going to say yes, he probably could play. But you're 15 games under 500. And I, over the last, the, the five games that they lost while he was out, or the four games they lost while he was out, and then the two games before he went out, like, that was kind of your season. Like, if, if you take even, like, three of those wins and move them to the other side, like, that's a, a huge difference in, in your record. And I, I just don't, I don't think that this team, I think he understands where this team is. And this team is not good. And he knows that. And he knows that part of it is because he wasn't good early in the season. And now it's like, look, we're not good. And, and there are other guys that are going to, are going to need time and stuff like that. But, you know, at the same time, I, like, I'm not sure that this isn't how you would think that most franchise players would like act in the middle of a season. And I think that's the biggest concern. So, um, Sean, adding to that is this, this entire narrative, uh, on the outside of like, are you going to be traded? Or are you not? Or is this part of a grand scheme to confuse people, uh, you know, and to shut you down because a big trade is happening? Like, look, I'm not going to say that De'Aaron Fox is not going to be traded. Like there is still potential that De'Aaron Fox, even though like I've gone, uh, I've put it out there that my sources say that the team hopes to build around De'Aaron Fox, that does not mean that he will not be traded. Um, we'll just keep telling you that, and and if he makes it through February 10th and he's still the Sacramento King, that does not mean that he won't be traded on draft night. It does not, like, this offseason or anything else. I mean, you have to keep your mind open about what could happen here because the Kings are a bad team. Um, so saying that, uh, let's, get to, let's get to the second clip. Um, where he's kind of asked about some of this stuff. Great talks. I think in the Chris Haynes interview, you said that you just wanted to know if that was going to happen. Did, did the team let you know that, that you know that your name might be out there a little bit? Uh, did they say that? Huh? Did they say that? Um, I'm sorry. Did they say that? The team? Yeah. Um, I think it's been mixed signals a little bit. Well, there you go. Yeah. Do you feel like you've gotten mixed signals? Oh, I mean, they've told me what they needed to tell me. Sean. Yeah. Go for it. Well, I mean, look, I think it's very much what you just said just a minute ago, James, which is the hope that we want to still build around you. But there's very much a possibility you could be traded. Um, to the point where this, the, you know, conspiracy theory that there's a probably an already a deal and that team probably doesn't want to see him play. Um, look. It's That's happened. the next clip, Sean. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, it, it's happened, but like, I, I, I'd honestly, I honestly, James, feel like that they are being truthful. Like, there, certainly there's a, there's a possibility you get traded, but I don't think this is the reason why you're not playing because you're really coming out. And, and again, everything we've heard from within the organization, from people around him, from, I mean, they all say the same thing. It's literally a pain tolerance. And I feel like if there was any chatter regarding, hey, we're not going to play you because we have a deal in place and we're telling you about this, you would hear something different than that. 
Like you don't want your guy looking like a, a, a wuss, for lack of a better term, not being able to handle pain. If oh, by the way, you're moving him, and, and there's a deal in play. And again, if you're the player, it's like the organization is saying it's pain tolerance, you know, and yep. you're putting you in a position to talk about your own MRI, which is clean. So, like, I can I get it. I get it. Like, it's he needed to answer for himself. I think he did that. And if there was a a, a, a trade scenario out there, I don't feel like he's going to be put in a position to have to go out to the media and lie to them in their face, uh, re- especially regarding something like this. Yeah, I think, to be honest with you, just so people know, if that were the case, the Kings would not have given us De'Aaron Fox to talk to. If if they already had something worked out and were telling him, just sit, sit still, we'll get back to you, no. They wouldn't have right. had him come out and talk to us. No. Like, now that doesn't yeah. mean that doesn't mean that it it can't happen still. And I'll also tell you, like the the mixed signals, like his question was, well, what are they telling you? And and I don't think that I think he became the interviewee the interviewer at that point and like, look, what are you hearing? That's fine. Like right. if if what are the mixed signals? And I don't well, think what, that there there are mixed signals as much as like are there mixed signals on the outside? Are there people on the outside that are potentially telling Jason Anderson that he that De'Aaron Fox could still be traded? I'm sure there are. I'm sure was, that there are people. And you know, we all have. I, I always say it, it's not a bad question. It was a little bit a little bit rocky in getting there, and I think Jason wasn't expecting the pushback from Fox. Yeah, but. What what Jason essentially did was how are you handling trade rumors, right? Like, yeah, there's still things that get out there. What's how's the organization doing? I think that's where he was trying to go. And when Fox pushed back, I don't think he was expecting it. But at the end of the day, what Fox is trying to say is the people who matter, the people in this organization, at least, you know, and I would even caution him, you know, hopefully that's the case. Hopefully they're all being upfront and honest with you. Um, but he says, if you're not hearing it from those people, then it really doesn't matter because those are the people that ultimately are the ones in charge. And this is the message that they're telling me. And he's, he's alluding to the fact that I know what the plan is. And unless you're telling me that there's something different, tell me. Yeah, exactly. And, and like, look, I, I mean, there's going to be, this is trade season. It's chaos. It's absolute chaos, and Sean gets information. I get information. We get it. Uh, Jason Anderson gets information. We all get it from different sources. We all get it from different places. Um, you know, you need to vet every single thing that you get, regardless of who it comes from. Um, you know, there there are situations. I, I mean, literally, I had the Demarcus Cousins situation where I had it confirmed by every single person involved, and two weeks later, he was traded. Like that's that's the situation where. Like, until it's on the dotted line, nothing is for sure. Like, and, and the team can always hold out and say, well, we got a God, uh, Godfather offer. And that's where if we get to next Thursday and the Godfather offer was not a Godfather offer, but trash and the Kings got absolutely run over, then we're going to tell you that. We're going to, like, that's going to be shots fired day. It's going to be like, holy cow, you just literally told us that that's the best you could do, like, and that that is a godfather offer. Like, that's where I think this is, like, a, a weird situation for, for Monty McNair. 
because it's like we get it we understand what it is that that you would have to get in order to uh to trade De'Aaron Fox or Tyrese Halliburton or anyone else on the team Mm -hmm. and then if we don't agree with what you got just like when Vlade Divac asked all of us in the media how he did after he drafted Willie Cauley-Stein and Sean lit him up and said I would have drafted Moutier no, I didn't say that. That wasn't exactly what I said. But I what said, "What did you say, Sean?" I said, "Not good." I said, "If I said, not good, is, Bob." <laughs> I I labeled off. Now, granted, you could pick apart who I said. I said it, but I said you needed a point guard for soever. Moutier was there. You have Justice yep. Winslow, and then you know, and and then I said, if you wanted a big, go get Miles Turner. He had the most potential. Ah, uh, and I think Sean was right on about, that one. It was dead wrong on Moutier, from, though. Dead Moutier. Wrong. Yeah. Well, Moutier was here in Sacramento on that 10-day. Uh, let's get to the final I thought clip. he played pretty well, to be honest. I did, too. I don't know. I don't understand why Moutier is not in the league. I mean, I-, I could pick, like, at least two or three Kings players right now that I would, I would oh, just yeah. wave and-, and sign Moutier without any question. Uh, let's get to the final clip. Listen. On the, the absence, um, you know, the women no turns and people talk about, well, is he upset, you know, about trade talk? Is he- um, are they keeping him out maybe for a trade, stuff like that? Can you dispel that, like, just out of hand? Is, that, is it just the ankle or is I mean, anything else? My ankle hurts. Uh, we didn't say that, so I'm not going to dispel something that was made up on the outside. Uh, that's, it's not my problem. Is it, the, is it literally just a, a pain tolerance or is it range of motion? Um, well, <laughs> since I hurt my ankle two years ago, I have like, almost no range of motion but uh, it's more so just pain tolerance for sure. There it is. Uh, that was a, a dual clip. Uh, so you got to hear Sean's follow-up about the uh, pain tolerance. So uh, are you just soft? I think that's what Sean asked. Are you just, <laughs> are you just soft? <laughs> I know. That's are, unfair. Are you a, are you a baby? <laughs> <laughs> that is unfair, sir. <laughs> um, I love how Fox answered that. The first part. The second part of this, I, I thought he was honest about the second part as well. Like the the first part, though, like, look, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and and comment on some made up thing from the outside. Like right. until I'm told that I'm no longer a king, I'm a king. And as far as I know, he he's been very specific with the franchise. Like, if you're going to trade me, do not let me find out on social media. Like, if that's what's going to happen, do not let me find out on Twitter. You need to tell me beforehand. Do not let Woj break the story. Here's the thing, too, James. Like, there's a reason he said that a few weeks ago. Um, Because I think, I'm just going to say it, like, ultimately, most fans would hear this and say, oh, this player ultimately really didn't matter in the grand scheme of rebuilding and maybe, you know, it is a business. But it is a business, but all these players want is to be straight. Just be straight with us. Just be straight with them. Be, you know, if you're going to trade me, trade me. If you're if you're trying to trade, that's why I always say I would be, I would level with guys. I would let them know exactly. I'm not going to tell them like where I'm trading you. You might say, hey, only tra- please only trade me here, here, here. These are the places, desired locations. There's a reason they're called desired. You don't have to do it. But, you know, there's a, there's a way you treat guys and agents remember this league remembers that there is a, it is a players association it is a family so the way you treat someone one year 
does have a trickle down effect to what happens when guys decide where they might want to go. Um, and for the most part with, with few really exceptions, guys are really treated well by this organization. It is true. But one that happened just this past off season with Kyle guy did not sit well with a lot of veterans, or a lot of guys on this team. And I heard about it. And I think De'Aaron is definitely alluding to that when he says, just be upfront with me. Cause unfortunately for Kyle, he was blindsided. He had no idea. Didn't hear anything. Um, went into free agency. And I think most people could say, well, you know, it was trending this way. You weren't really in their cards. Bottom line was he never, he, as he told me, never heard from them. And that's disappointing. So, but again, it's not exclusive to Sacramento. It wasn't exclusive. You've seen that in other situations. Some teams are just callous that way. Some teams just strictly business do what it is. But uh, I think this team has made big strides in the way they try to handle things. And I think that was a, a moment of letdown and it bought, it did. I can just tell you it ruffled some feathers. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, no one's going to be perfect in this situation. Um, and if you're the Sacramento Kings and you have a whole bunch of players that were going into free agency, um, your two-way guys are are probably low on the list of priorities. They shouldn't be because they're human beings. Um, like Sean and I had, I'll just say this, uh, Sean and I had this situation um, yesterday. We walked, uh, we were sitting in, uh, there's a big white table that we sit on in the lobby of the practice facility where Sean Holmes walked by like, Hey, what's up, dude. And he went outside and you know, we, we said, hello. Our, our, it was very short. We didn't have a conversation. By the uh, way, he looked like he went outside and he just sat down like a dude sitting in the park. <laughs> like, like it just, just, it wasn't like a table or anything like that. But I, 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 I thought it was kind of a humorous visual to see this big, you know, six ten, six eleven yeah. dude. Just, I'm just going to sit here. It's not really a chair or a table. I'm just gonna sit here and take a phone call. <laughs> So Sean and I walked outside, and Rashawn Holmes is sitting outside, still, and he was on the phone. He was on. He was FaceTiming. And anyway, I don't always do this. I don't typically do this, but I walked over and I said, "Hey, man, just so you know, sorry about all all this stuff on social media that you're seeing with my name tagged in it, saying that you're available." And he's like, "No, no, we're we're okay. We're okay, man." He's like, "I get it." And I'm like, "Look." I'm not trying to start anything. It's, you know, the information that I have, but I know like you're a human and I've enjoyed having Rashawn Holmes here in Sacramento. I think he's a good guy. I said, and I, and I said like, look, I, I know like your mom takes it hard and all that stuff. And he goes, now I'm not going to talk about my mom. <laughs> like I'm not going to speak for her. Uh, so clearly she's upset about it. Uh, he's like, but we're cool. We're cool. And like, those are the moments where like, first of all, we don't get those anymore, Sean. That's like when when you write something or you go on a podcast and you say something about some someone, like part of our job is to have the accountability to walk in the locker room and have that conversation with the person afterwards if they want to have that conversation. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they're like, F that guy or, or you know, they just ignore you or they're just fine. They're, you go on about your day. Other times you have conflict. And you need to resolve conflict if that's where – because you're in their house. When you're in the locker room, you're in their house. And so, anyway, that was uh, like that was a real-life mo- moment that happened yesterday. Sean's like, 
what'd you apologize for? And I just, you I know. Didn't. I'm like, <laughs> why, why the F are you saying you're sorry? What's wrong with you? No, because like, look, I, no, I didn't, say, I, I didn't hear it too. I just, yeah, remember, yeah, I just heard the, yeah. I'm sorry part, but it was, yeah. yeah. It, there's a human element to this that I think so many people miss. And there's also like a human element between us and them. Like we are part of their circle, even though we're not as much part of their circle right now because of the COVID stuff. But normally we're very much part of like sort of the bubble. It's that whole, the whole two bubble thing where the bubbles, you know, Venn diagram. Yeah. The Venn diagram. We're in the middle. Like we Is that a Venn diagram? No, I can't remember. It might be. Uh, Either way it's, it's, you understand what we're talking about. Um, So anyway, like those are moments that, that we just don't get anymore. And um, I, you know, sorry if I, you know, Sean didn't sorry. understand why I was sorry. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I uh, I had some someone aggregate something I said and it went viral, and everyone now in the league thinks you're available, uh, but you are. <laughs> I mean, well, and to be honest, I mean, there's a lot of guys. Again, I mean, there's he's, been, he's like, oh no, I get it. Like, yeah, he. There's a lot of guys that would be okay with being traded, and I'm not saying Rashawn is one of them, but Rashawn is a guy that chose to sign here. He money was the first and foremost. Um, part of that uh as it should be but if the way this team is if he's off to greener pastures i think he'd be okay with that yeah and i think there are greener pastures that are looking at Rashawn holmes and thinking of ways to get him like i again i think charlotte i think toronto i think chicago all of those teams would be all in on on getting Rashawn holmes if the price was right um sean let's let's uh move forward um we're gonna do a thursday over reactions Sean hates Tuesday overreactions, but to be honest with you, I I think we're we're already starting to see the overreactions from the fans. The Kings win one game, one game with the starting backcourt of Tyrese Halliburton and Davion Mitchell, and all like how many people are like ready to trade? Oh, trade De'Aaron. This is our backcourt of the future. We got it. We got the backcourt of the future. Yes. Sean. James. What the? <laughs> One game, man. One game. It's, it's it's like Dark Knight where Heath Ledger as Joker says, everyone loses their minds. Like, it, that's just what, <laughs> that's what happens. I mean, it, it, it's, look, I mean, I know it's on the, it, it's, you know, just on the trail trailing when Tyrese Halliburton had his 38 point career high the other night and losing effort but uh i like i get it like you know people are ready to hand over the keys you know there's some people that are kind of done with with fox maybe because what what they've seen over the past few years you haven't win yada 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 i don't fault them either way but at the same time i you know if someone's done with it it's i i made this comparison to nick fridella the other day last night i was like you know like it, 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 it's different circumstances, but it does remind me of the of the fact when, you know, Vladi Divac came in. He's got an all star center, and he keeps drafting dudes that are six ten or taller. Now here you have Monty McNair, who has De'Aaron Fox, not an all star, but you're paying him like one, and you have to you just extended him, and you got Tyrese Halliburton and Davion Mitchell to come in. Like like you can almost afford to lose him because here you are with point guard play that might be more in tune with what you want that you don't have to pay a whole lot for yet. And that's that frees up a lot of money to pay somebody else, you know. And now you've got this guy that you can move to get somebody great, hopefully, because he makes a lot of money. 
doesn't always work that way. So it's not like, you know, certainly he becomes a very attractive chip, but at the same time, here's this ankle problem. Here's, you know, you don't want to just give him away pennies on the dollar. Like, what do you, how much are you going to... You have to make the right move that makes you better. And if you're... I think they're... I do take them at their word. I think they're fully on board with building around these guys, at least for next year, at least for the year after that, uh, because I think it's manageable until you have to pay Tyrese. And then that's when you you have to make some decisions. I don't, I mean, that's when it probably to me becomes like a one or the other type move. Yeah. And I think we're, we're a long ways from that. Right. Like, Tyrese may not ever be a max type player. That's just the reality yeah. of it. Yeah, and and the salary cap is set to go up and up and up again and again. Like that's that's how the salary cap is is currently um, like projecting. It's going to like one nineteen and then um, like way well above that. Like I mean, this thing is gonna so a twenty eight million dollar contract goes up to thirty, goes up to thirty two, whatever. It, it's not like De'Aaron Fox has paid really well, uh, but it's not like obscene money. Where you get obscene is in the third contract. That's when it gets obscene. Yeah. And to be honest with you, like the third contract doesn't look nearly as bad as it would have, uh, like you know, three months ago or or eight months ago. Like I think you were looking at that next contract. Like I think the Kings always looked at like, oh, how are we gonna? We got to make sure that we're financially flexible so we can pay Fox and Bagley. And then Bagley never developed into what you thought he would become. And so you do have this this cash flow, uh, not like you're going to have like some freedom, especially once, you know, Harrison Barnes contract is up and um, and Buddy Heald's contract. Buddy Heald's contract ends the same time that Halliburton starts. So if somehow Buddy Heald is still here by then. Um, you're losing 20 million bucks off your books at the same time. Um, there's always going to be ways to pay, guys. And, and the Kings will have to figure that out down the stretch. But um, yeah, I think it's, it's definitely... Like, look, I will tell you, I enjoy watching Davion Mitchell play, and he has gotten better, especially as you've added more minutes and more opportunities. And he's I looking for a shot. He is looking for a shot, and he's also showing you that he can really play off the ball as well, that he's he's ready to be that, that secondary guy off the ball. Um, but... I, I still think that this team is is better with all three of those guys than it is with one or two of them gone. I do. I think long term. Well, right would, now, right? Like, I mean, you mean in the in the in the short term, right now? I mean, I feel like you can still. There are moves to be made to where you can get better, but. Well, yeah, but I mean, I, I think if I'm looking at this team, like clearly one of the ways to get better is to trade a position of of like. Where where you have a surplus for a position of need, right? Biggs. That, yeah. So well, or point guards. I mean, you now have three point guards, but I also see a way in which all three of those guys fit together. I, I think Davion's ability to play off the ball, his ability to hit open shots. Uh, I think Fox's speed. I think Halliburton's ability to set up others. I still think that there's a a easy way that all three of those guys can coexist for the next ten years. Like mm. I, I don't think that that's like a huge issue. Um, is there going to come a point where Davion Mitchell is so good that he has to play 38 minutes a game? Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I don't see that. Um, I I think that you have an ability here that you should be able to play all three of those guys plenty of minutes going forward. And I think that, you know, the problem that you have, it's not those three. It's that, you know, Terrence Davis is out for the season uh, or most of the season. 
Um, if not, well, let's just say it, he's out for the season. I mean, they're going to review him in three months. I mean, he's pretty much done. He's done. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's done. And then, but like, if you take Buddy Heald off this team, then there's plenty of minutes. Like, if you're filling that void with something different, I, I think that that's what the Kings have to do. Uh, anyway, like, I, I'm not going to say that that backcourt stunned me so much over the last week that that's my backcourt of the future. Because I still think I've, like, even if I was going to jettison De'Aaron Fox, I still want a big-time upgrade at the shooting guard position to play alongside Tyrese Halliburton. And, you know, I, and I think the Kings could do that. I think there are players out there that could improve this team that are more veteran that, you know, 26, 28 years old that could help the team, like, balance out their age and all that stuff. And I, at that point, Davion is still coming off the bench. So, like... I'm not all in on, on the backcourt tandem of Halliburton and, and uh, Mitchell. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's uh, Mitchell's not there yet. You know, he's no. going to need seasoning. And uh, I will say this, like sometimes a bad play, a, a good, I don't want to say that every bad team is going to have a 20 point score, right? That's the old Jerry, Jerry Reynolds ism. I think it's uh, every team's on Murray. Lamont Maria, yeah. yeah everyone, Lamont everyone, every team's going to have something like that. And just because you have someone who does it the right way, like Tyrese, there are guys out there like that. Like, I, I'm not trying to belittle Tyrese or saying, you know, dismiss what he does because I think it's tremendous and it's sorely needed on this team. You need a lot of guys, you need more guys like that. Um, but don't get me wrong, anything he's done doesn't make me like think he's like this untouchable. Like, clearly, if you had to identify the one or two you want to build around. He's one of them because he's cheap and Davion is a part of that. He's cheap, but these are why things get tricky. And because like when you're talking about assets and, and these draft picks before you attach a name to them and things like that, like for the right move, I'm not, I'm not like I'd move Tyrese. I absolutely would. If it's getting me something fantastic, better in return, if I can get better, yeah. I would do it. Um, and again, I'm only looking at it from a business standpoint because again, you could argue that his value to your team will never be higher than it is right now. Maybe because he's because he doesn't have that big contract, and no, everyone that's true. thinks of him as oh, it's Tyrese. Like if you again, he slid down in the draft, right? Came to you, fell into your pocket. You're playing with house money, is what I'm kind of saying, right? So those no, are I some got, of the. It, it's I just one you. of the ways to look at it for some people. At, while we do, but that's not me. I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth. I'm with you, James, because I do think he's somebody that you could build around for sure. And this three, this three trio could be that way. I don't know if I'd go as far as say ten years, but I do think that there is a path there. I just, to me, you've got three three nice players, three nice pieces here, and in order to get better, you usually have to trade a good piece. Yeah. Well. I I'll, I'll take this step. I, I'm not trading Tyrese. I, I see, I see something special in his passing ability that I, I think he's one of the top passers in the league. And distrib- uh, as a distributor, I, I think he his his ability to make plays for others is is elite and it's impactful. I think there are guys who are not impactful impactful as passers mm-hmm. uh, that put up big gaudy assist numbers, but don't have an impact. Um, you know, that the assists that they, they dish out are almost like guys who make their living off of getting rebounds on off of uh, free throw misses, you know, like the Olden Polonies had a lot of, a lot of rebounds on missed free throws. Like, 
Was he a good rebounder? Yes. Was he a great rebounder? Not as great as his stats showed, uh, like the one year he led the league. Um, you know, so Opus. Yeah, love so, Opus. Yeah, yeah, my dude, <laughs> my dude, that karaoke with. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I, I'm not trading Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, to me, he's more untouchable than any of the other two, uh, and to be honest, than anyone else on the roster, he's more untouchable. Um, all right, Sean, let's uh, let's touch on this really quick. Um, we saw it in the win over the Brooklyn. How close are we to the veterans um, sitting? Uh, the veterans um, having diminished roles. Uh, we've seen it with Alex Lynn, Tristan Thompson already. Uh, Mo Harkless, we could have put in that same uh, situation, but all of a sudden he's back in it. Um, I, I think the difference with Mo is he brings an intangible to the court that um, even though he's not a good scorer, uh, he's not a, a good three-point shooter. He is a player archetype, and he's a veteran that will hold people accountable on the court in the moment, which I don't think the Kings have had that in a little while, a dude who is literally holding people accountable in the moment. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think the veteran part, like, I think it just depends on what happens at the deadline here. I think you've got basically four games and this is going to be kind of your do your business or get off the pot kind of uh, kind of moment because you're only, what, two and a half games outside of that thing. So you still have to play with that in mind. I know people don't like hearing that. Like it's I've always I've said for the month, the past month, the season be damned. But I feel like you can still accomplish two things at once. Like you can. What are you looking for, James? Yeah. Uh, in the rear view, you're looking at the rear view. No, I, I'm. <laughs> I'm looking for a book. Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you got a, you got plenty of them behind you. Yeah, um, yeah, you're chasing windmills there, Sean. That's what well, I'm saying. Well, <laughs> no, what I'm saying is it depends on what happens here at the deadline because, you know, the sitting the veterans, I get it. Like, there's, I mean, look, you've you've played the veterans and you've been trash. <laughs> you Sean, know what I mean? So if there they is get a, sat. If they, I'm going to say this right now. If they get sat, they deserve it. No, I'm because not. I'm that not is saying where that they this don't. season went. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not. I'm, I know you're veterans, not saying that. I'm just saying James, that the veterans are already not playing. Like, think about that. Like, outside of Buddy Heald, Rashawn Holmes, De'Aaron Fox, Harrison Barnes, th- those. I mean, those are your veterans, right? Every other veteran is not playing. So, like, you've got these guys. Like, I agree. You should open things up more. I, I thought you could have done that on the uh, on the road trip a little bit, but. What harm is it? Go through these four games, see what happens at the deadline, see what moves you make, um, and then react. You know, I, there's a lot of these guys who, like as you said, James, there's there's some guys that we're not anticipating being on the team. You know, Rashawn, or excuse me, um, Tristan Thompson, possibly Buddy Heald, possibly Marvin Bagley. Um, but there's no but, guarantees, and and if you yeah. get past the trade deadline. I'm not saying that Bagley – I still think you play Bagley because, again, I've, as, as I keep saying, you're not good enough to throw away unproven talent. Play him. See what you got. You know, keep 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 playing him. Um, get into the offseason. Even if he goes away, that's fine. Maybe, you could, maybe there's a way you can get something for him. It doesn't matter. Like, you want to know. You want to just maybe confirm more what you believe, whatever. With Buddy, you'll play him a little bit, but – at that point, you're probably going to sit him out, see what you have at Jemias, see what you have. And and people I know will think, oh, tank, tank, tank. But it's like you've already tanked 
in a way because you're terrible with the, when these guys play. So you could argue that playing the young guys almost gives you a better chance to win. I mean, just look at what happened last night. I mean, I never thought we were going to see a a lineup of Damian Jones, Chemezi Metu, and Mo Harkless playing on, at, at the same time on this team, and they were impactful, James. They were impactful. So uh, you're going to want to see Namias Keda, and you're going to want to see, especially to me, Jamias Ramsey. I think there's a moment where, I mean, if anybody who deserves it, it's him. I, I want to know what we have him with with him. I think there's still a little bit of a question mark. I haven't and brought King. up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's definitely dis- Yeah, I mean, Luke King, absolutely, absolutely. So you're not far from it. You're not far from it, but it's not. It doesn't mean that you know these veterans, certain veterans, cannot play. Like there's, it's just what. Why do you need to play at this point, Rashawn Holmes, thirty minutes a game? Now, granted, he only had twenty one the other night against Brooklyn, but you won't need to. And so I think we're getting there. And I think, you know, talking about the veterans, you know, I know Rashawn has been bad. Rashawn also, if you don't move him, is still under contract for the next three years, right? Two years, something like that. So three with I, the, I think the last year is a player option, but yeah. Yeah, but I and to me, I'd want him to get his confidence. Like you don't want to just have him sit on the bench and sulk and go into an offseason. Like no, man, get out there yeah. and get some confidence about you. Like there's, it is a delicate. There is a fragility to an NBA team because I mean, look at, I mean, we talk about Ben Simmons at nauseum. You don't want someone to get into a mental space to where where they where he is. You know, and that, and even that, that might be an extreme. I think nobody would disagree that Rashawn Holmes is not in, a, in is is in a weird headspace right now. It's just not what you're used to seeing from him, and it's yeah. clearly bothered him. Now you couple in losing, the guy feels like he puts so much on himself, and he's probably thinking, "God damn, if I was just a little bit better, we'd be freaking winning." You know, and we talked to him the other night, James, where there are more than eleven, they're like eleven games under five hundred at the point at that point. And he's just like, Oh, I think we can still do, you know, that's how athletes think. That's how these guys think. You want to save them from themselves. Like I keep saying and the trade deadline will hopefully be a moment to do that, but it's also just brace for it. Possibly not, possibly nothing happens. I, I totally agree. Okay. So yeah, I, I'll, this is the, like, it's, it's such a weird thing to look at, but could we pick out five games that the, that the Kings could have won this season? We can probably we can probably pick out more like eight um, games that they could have won, right? Could have. I'm glad you didn't say should have because I no, usually no, no, want to no, no, no. shake and baby have. syndrome those people. <laughs> yeah. So we're looking at uh, right now the Kings are 19 and 34. If you just won five more games, and we're talking about Detroit, uh, we're talking about Houston, we're talking about you, you somehow like hit a shot in the Philadelphia game. Like there's enough games that we could look at where the Kings could have won. You're 24 and 29 and you're five games under 500 and you're right in the thick of everything. You're you're not just like, you're not just a, a team that's looking at the 10 spot. You're a team that could actually climb over a few people. And, and that's where, again, if we're looking at this season in, like with the Lakers are 25 and 27, um, you'd be the 10 spot, but you'd also have an opportunity to go do something. The reason I bring this up, uh, Sean, is because I, I have this fear that because you brought it up again, that the 10 <laughs> seed, like the Kings are two and a half games out. Like this is our trade talk for the, for the episode. That is the worst possible 
way to walk into the last five days of or seven days or whatever it is. Stay. The last seven days before the trade deadline. Because if you're walking in with that thought process, then you can do something really stupid that could hurt you long-term and really do damage to your team. And to me, like, like there are trades out there that are just sitting there waiting for the Kings to make that are bad trades that are trades that you should be avoiding. Like we've already heard, uh, like our, our friend Sam Amick went on the radio today. He, he said from what he's heard, the Kings are, are uh, they've kicked the tires on Julius Randle. That's not happening. Uh, ben Simmons isn't happening. John Collins isn't happening. Um, all of those things are, are likely not going to happen. And that leaves you to like Jeremy Grant. And like we've talked about Jeremy Grant before, but Jeremy Grant for me is exactly what you do not do in this situation. You're a bad team. You're going to give up a first round pick at least at a minimum. Maybe you get away with just one first round pick and two young uh, and two like a Marvin Bagley and a Tristan Thompson to match money. Right. But the thing is that once you get Jeremy Grant, he wants $112 million on top of the 18 million he's already owed for a 20, almost 28 year old guy who basically is what we just talked about a few minutes ago when I said Lamont Murray, uh, you said Jerry Reynolds talks about the the player on every team that scores 20 points. I give you Jeremy Grant. Yeah, Jeremy Grant is is a perfectly fine NBA player, and he's had some moments, and he's got some good defensive skills. He still, to me, isn't an upgrade over the type of player that Harrison Barnes is. Like, they're those players that you pay $20 million a year that— are like the equivalent of what we used to call death by mid-level exemption, uh, but they're players that hurt your ability to do something and, and to to do something down the road. But now you're looking at Jeremy Grant will turn 28 later this season. So you're looking at five more years of Jeremy Grant, his 29, 30, 31, 32, and 33-year-old season. And you're going to pay him 20-something million dollars a year. That's a lot of money, man. That's, that's a lot of money. And if you're giving up a first-round pick to do that, um, that is the move that I know will be lauded by some people. Like, oh, look at the great move they did. That's the move of a team that that doesn't accept where they are in the standings. And you're better off losing and going into the top five than bringing on Jeremy Grant for $130 million over the next five years. Just my opinion. I don't disagree. I mean, he's not a guy to me I'm breaking the bank for. And he's doing extension. I it's it, nothing against him. I think he's a nice player. It's just yeah. I don't think he's the right player for Sacramento. Um, and when you look at just some of the trade pieces coming up, you know, I think fans I think have to pretty much wrap their head around the fact that it's going to be the likes of Harrison Barnes as their most attractive trade piece right now uh, for a lot of these teams looking to make a push. So um, I don't know that you're you're gonna come away with all that much maybe it's a mid to late first round pick maybe you know who knows like down the road maybe not even probably not even in this draft but it's probably something that might could be down the road so um it's gonna yeah. be gonna be an interesting week james it really is and as we head into the weekend i i, I gotta be honest i'm really surprised we haven't seen a move <laughs> over the past couple weeks here and it looks like it's all gonna just come down to d-day which will be the 10th and whether or not, I mean, it's when all the moves happen is typically at the deadline on the day of the deadline. Uh, 
I was expecting so many moves and so was the league and everything just seems to be held up and maybe maybe this thing gets kicked to the draft where maybe more movement happens in the draft. It's just a very odd season when it comes to movement. It is. And I, I'm going to say this too. If the Kings were 24 and 29 and you're already the 10th spot and you had a potential to move up and you actually were playing better and you actually had a shot and you had a shot to go up to the, the seven spot or the six spot, maybe I would consider Jeremy Grant and that long term. But the biggest issue is the Kings cores already showed us that they're not good enough. That it, doing a move like that just expend, it extends some misery, in my opinion. It yeah, extends pe- what's happening. And people should also just, I mean, beyond that, like I know we kind of keep kicking the tires on the same ones you hear reports about, but there's open your mind. There's a lot of, there's a lot of trades that happen that, that are not reported upon in terms of there's discussions that happen where all of a sudden they make a move and you go, Oh man, I didn't even hear anything about that one leading into it. Yep. It's like, that's how a lot of them. So a lot of the ones that you, it's almost the smoke screen, right? Like this is, these aren't the droids you're looking for. James likes to say, you know, it's like, these are, <laughs> there's a reason these ones get leaked out and talked about so much, but there's also ones that are happening that haven't had that moment yet. And, um, you know, just go through rosters, look at people you, you know, that you might want to target and kind of think about certain things that, and how they might look in the, in a King's uniform and how they might make sense. I mean, there, there's so many possibilities that exist that never get reported on. Yep. And, and I'll say this, if I can, uh, I've, I've said this move before, I, like I've heard rumors of a potential, uh, a potential swap, but if I could, like, if you were to trade, uh, Marvin Bagley for Robert Covington, um, First of all, I don't think that moves a needle on how your season ends, right? And he's a guy who's a restricted free agent. I mean, unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. Good chance you lose him because he's a he's a veteran who's going to go out and search for another job. Uh, probably a uh, you know goes and links up with a championship quality team um, to add that depth, right? Um, but I would still do something like that because to me, that gives me a player archetype that I can look and see okay how does he look with Harrison Barnes with this guard set or how does he look you know to me it's like a better version of of Mo Harkless or how does he look with Mo Harkless uh, if Harrison Barnes went somewhere else so like look I think there are and, moves that you can make go ahead no uh, sorry they and they just did that last season that's how Mo Harkless and Terrence Davis have contract yeah. extension you know that's why they were re-signed yeah. uh, it's exactly the type of move because both of those guys probably wouldn't have been you know they'd have been free agent yeah even if you give it like a, a couple of weeks and then you're like okay look man we're just gonna let you go and let you go sign somewhere else like you can go before what is it i think the march 1st deadline um you know uh, like those are things where i think they actually do make sense like even if you're not giving up anything uh, that's long term, if you're just trading, swapping a contractor or something, so uh, yeah, so I think that there's movement that can happen here where it it's almost like placeholder stuff uh, because you already know that this season is shot. What I don't want to see is do anything that that impacts this season and your ability to move into the top five in the draft because I think that has a more a higher likelihood of success than any of these medium-sized deals that you can do out in the in the general public. Um, all right, Sean, we're going to get to the business of basketball. Yeah. I, I said that differently, that the Did business you? of basketball. There we go. <laughs> that was more purposeful. That there was almost was. like telling it F-U. <laughs> yes. Yes. F-U. 
uh, Sean. Guy on Twitter. <laughs> Guy on. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, okay, we're going to do this uh, relatively rapid fire. Um, this time we're, we're just going to, like, we're going to see you again on Tuesday, barring a, a substantial trade over the weekend where Sean and I have to scramble and maybe we get together and we, we do a, uh, a, an emergency pod. Um, but chances are, well, let's just go through it. Uh, what do you, what's the percentage in your mind that Buddy Heald makes it to Tuesday and is still a Sacramento King? Tuesday, two days before the trade deadline, I'm going to say 65%. He's still the king. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good number. I like that number. I mean, it's arbitrary, but I think he's still a king. Yeah. No, but I, I think that that, I, I think that there's a good chance that he's moved by Thursday. Uh, but I also think that the kings have to find someone to dance with. Um, and I also believe, like, I'm going to guess that if there's one player that the Kings would bail on and take pennies on the dollar, it's Buddy. Hmm. Like where they're not taking back a contract that kills them, but they're also not really getting anything, that would be the one player that I think, eh, they would probably bite. Okay. I'm okay. writing some of these down because I'm going to say something at the end. Let's keep going. Okay. Harrison Barnes. Is he a Sacramento King by Tuesday? I think he is. Um but I feel like he's the king that's going to be most likely dealt. Yeah, I think I I believe that you're right. Uh, that I, I would I'm going to put that at fifty fifty by Tuesday. But I'm going to even go higher than that, like I like seventy five twenty five that he's no longer a king by Thursday. He's a guy that I think the Kings know what the market is currently, and there's probably like they just have to pick their pick which deal is right for them. Uh, I feel like there's probably three or four options out there that they've that they've identified, and they probably ruled they may have ruled all of them out for all I know. But I feel like they know a deal that they can pull the trigger on on Thursday. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say that I, I think that they they want to hold on to him until later in the in the process because they want to make sure that one of these stupid big deals don't come up. And they can't be part of a big, stupid three-way 100%. trade. And they need Harrison for that deal. So could they trade him this weekend? Yeah. I, I believe that he could be traded this weekend. But I also think he's a guy that probably you wait all the way up until the last because all of these things are going to shuffle quickly. And it's going to get a little crazy. Um, let's go Marv. Uh, yeah, he, he'll, he'll be here Tuesday. Thursday, I'm not so sure about, but it, he'll be here Tuesday. Okay, yeah, and I'm going to say he'll be here just because I feel he's such an ancillary piece at this point in yeah. terms of the like nobody's jumping out to trade for Marvin. Obviously, the last year has shown you that because again, if you have any curiosity about Marvin Bagley, just go sign him. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's not going to cost you a whole lot, so just go go sign him. Yeah, I looked. Um, he needs to get to I think it's forty one starts. Uh, he's at 17 starts, so he needs 24 starts. He's not playing tonight, and after tonight, there's only 28 games. So the chance of his uh of him reaching the starter criteria, um, is almost nil. Like like any team would could sit him four games, and he wouldn't make this, and he might not even make it back. 
in time. And that would be the other reason why I think he probably doesn't go between now and Tuesday, uh, and Tuesday, uh, but more likely between now and Thursday, mm -hmm. uh, because he's not probably going to play because he has a sprained ankle. Um, and then, uh, you know, maybe he, I heard that it's not that bad and that he could be back relatively quick. He was on the court shooting with Doug. He wasn't moving Winstead. very well. <laughs> he wasn't. He no. actually, all of his shots were set shots. I don't know. Oh, they were terrible. Yeah. Yeah. They were all with, uh, both, both feet on the ground with him going up on his toes and like mm -hmm. extending and shooting. Um, okay. So, uh, we'll hit the big one. Um, is De'Aaron Fox a Sacramento King by, by Tuesday? Yes. Is he by Thursday? I think so. Yeah, I don't I don't think that there's going to be I don't think there's going to be some huge move. And and if he's a part of a move, it's going to be a huge move. So, I, I I would yeah, I think Darren Fox finishes the season out. Okay. Yeah, I would put it like 80-20. Maybe a little higher than that that he's a Sacramento King by Thursday. Mm -hmm. I don't think anything will happen with him over the next couple of days. Again, I think if you do move him, it is in some gigantic blockbuster that happens that you know, gets pieced together in like the last 24 hours of, of the deadline. What did, what did you have to add? Well, I, I think in terms of just the most, uh, I think, well, maybe it, I probably, that was probably a bad tease, but I feel like we identified Harrison as being the most attractive piece. Right. Um, but if you're looking at it, like I still think buddy does hold a very big value and, uh, I you, by third like I I can see a pathway th for Thursday, but I could also see him still being here put by the draft. And I think there's enough. You kind I mean you kind of saw a market value right there with the Lakers, right? You kind of saw some pieces and say, oh man, if I almost had Kuzma and Montrez Harrell for for Buddy, what does that look like beyond? Uh, what does that look like with other scenarios out there? And even though he's not the right piece for your team at this moment based on how you are and you're asking him to play a role that he's not um i feel like you can just because he gets through the trade deadline if if he does uh that doesn't mean he's going to still you know be here long term so i still feel like there's the, they'd still try to move him but now all of a sudden your focus comes to the draft and the offseason and um you know, I think there's still a pathway for buddy out of there so i, I just i i don't necessarily feel that even for marvin that necessarily that if you don't get dealt by the deadline, all of a sudden the, the team is in love with you. There's still options to try to move you, um, but it, there, there's no gun to their head. No, if it comes to Marvin, I mean, you're taking a second-round pick. If it comes to Tristan, you're taking a second-round pick. If a big deal doesn't develop where you need them as cap filler, I think you deal with them, even if it's switching them out for other pieces, like, like a Covington deal, like where you're going to just get a player that – you just have some interest in kicking the tires on. Um, yeah, I, I think that, again, I, the most likely piece to get moved is Harrison. That's um, He's only got one year left on his contract after this year. He still has tremendous value. I think you can still get a first-round pick for him. I think you can get a young player and a first-round pick for him. Um, I think Rashawn Holmes, you can get a young player, uh, and I, I think you can get a first-round pick out of him probably in the, early, like the late teens, early 20s. But I still think you can get a good pick for uh, for Rashawn Holmes because his contract is so uh, team friendly. We didn't even talk about we didn't him. Didn't even talk about him. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think he's a very intriguing name. I brought him up on Tuesday, and it's mainly because he has a very attractive uh, contract. Yep. You have control of him, 
Um, I think people know what he looks like when he's right. And, you know, I, I think there'd be some people that would be interested in him. I just don't know what you can really, I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what you're getting. I don't know, you know, anything out there yet, but, um, I yeah. do think that I, th- I think he's intriguing. I know there's a lot of people that have, you know, tried to look at golden state and said, Oh, he could definitely help golden state. And maybe they would trade Wiseman. That ain't happening. Yeah. Joe I, Lacob, think, I was talking I to folks last moody. night and even today joe lacob loves with a capital l probably capital o-v-e-s too (laughs) he loves james wiseman what about kaminga or moody i don't think they would even i don't think they would do that because i feel like um i mean james this team's in second place and they haven't even had clay thompson why move why why would you do that because you have an opportunity to win a championship and they and could still I, do it anyway. <laughs> no, they could. They could. But yeah. I, I still think the versatility, like, again, like we've heard the Kings attached to the Utah Jazz um, when it came to Harrison Barnes. and getting Even Harrison, before the Ingles, even before the Ingles injury. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think that they're going to have a really difficult time, a very difficult time getting Harrison Barnes from the Kings at this point. Um, but, like, the way that uh, Hassan Whiteside has kind of, you know, fallen apart there. Um, the way that you know that in the playoffs uh, they struggle to defend the perimeter with uh, Rudy Gobert, I still think that that would be an absolutely brilliant move for them. Especially, uh, you got Jingles, like would you would you take Jingles' expiring contract and and uh, uh, for Rashawn Holmes and a first? I mean, would you take Jingles' expiring contract and a first for Rashawn Holmes? And I think if you're the Kings, ten million bucks off your books, you'd have to at least like have to at least think about it maybe they've got someone hiding there that is young i mean it's such a low first round pick right yeah i mean it's not a great first round pick but that team has lost a bunch of games yeah um you know you're looking at a a team that isn't the the cream of the crop that they were earlier in the season what are they as of right now they're the four seed um and they're 31 and 21 at 596 so you're looking at right around 20. They'd be they're tied with the Cleveland Cavaliers at 31 and 21. Um, so you're literally looking at like a, That'd a be, 20, 21. It'd be very sour for Kings fans not to have you know somebody of of caliber. You know what I mean? That can go out there and play. <laughs> like if yeah, you're getting like, a, you're trading for a dude that that literally is just your your expiring contract. He's not playing. He's torn his ACL. And here's your pick. Like, oh, that that's that's disappointing. But you know, I would prefer it's like a, pretty... a like PJ Washington. If you could get PJ oh, Washington, PJ Washington, yeah, yeah. If you could get that, I mean, he's they need a starting level center still. They they need some help there, and I think Rashawn Holmes would fit perfectly with Ball. And to me, that's a team that yep. uh, has potential to move up, especially with Brooklyn stumbling, especially with the fact that. I don't think anyone believes that the Cavs are going to be able to hold on and be that good all the way down the stretch once, you know, real playoff basketball starts. But that's a guy that I think would make a ton of sense there. He's a long-term fit for there. They liked him before. Um, he's an upgrade over Mason Plumley, uh, like in my opinion. And I think a, a guy like PJ Washington, who's young and you're going to have to eventually pay and who plays at stretch four, which the Kings desperately need long-term. Um, that's something I, I would consider. Mm-hmm. Now, whether you can get that or not, that's a whole other question. All right. Tough. Sean, do you have any final thoughts? Final thoughts. I actually think the Kings are going to win tonight. Is that weird? 
That's weird. I think, I think they're going to beat the Warriors. <laughs> I think it's it's just I don't know, man. They just this season is so strange that like I could I could see it. I could see it. It'd be I, so strange. And you know, I I, think Jason I don't know what Ross it is. Predicted last night's win. I think Jason Ross predicted that one. Did he? Well, I, I mean, it's just so. It's I, I I I always remember it. Now, granted, Clay Thompson he hasn't played against the Kings in what two years, but he lights up the Kings. But Steph never doesn't really have those like huge breakout games like he's had kind of the Warriors for some reason just don't ever really play great against the Kings and they just keep him in it um you know I go back to that game earlier this season in San Francisco and it was uh you know they pulled away late obviously but Kings were in that game and I kept saying how are the Kings in this game funny funny things happen when the Kings and the Warriors meet up so maybe this is maybe this is a game we got Nemanja Bialica, Draymond Green, Andre Iguodala, uh, Otto Porter, James Weissman are all out. Uh, we still don't have an update on De'Aaron Fox, but of course Terrence Davis is out for, uh, we're just going to say he's out for the season after having ECU tendon recovery surgery on his, uh, well, ECU tendon surgery on his right shooting hand, which is even worse. Uh, Marvin Bagley is out with a sprained ankle. Um yeah, so we're going to see a very similar team to what we saw from the Kings last night. Most likely, I, I don't see De'Aaron Fox playing. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I think questionable is more like doubtful or or just flat out out, and they just aren't. They're leaving the door open every game for him to play. Um, outside of that, let's see. Uh, make sure that you're giving us a thumbs up. Uh, make sure that you're subscribing to the Kings Beat. Uh down below, uh, you can find links to Sean and I's Twitter handle, uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook page, all that stuff. So if you have time, just go ahead and click on those things. Go to the King's Beat. Uh, there's also a, scrip- a subscription down in the description below us, uh, a link to the subs- subscription and a link to a premium subscription uh, right down below <laughs> in, in the box. So Keep scrolling. Uh, keep scrolling. Yeah, keep, keep scrolling. <laughs> we put all kinds of things in there. So give us a thumbs up. Uh, make sure that uh, you're you're following us wherever you get your content. Uh, and if you're listening on iTunes, go in, give us rating and review, and uh, subscribe, and all that stuff. Um, we will be back on Tuesday, barring an emergency pod over the weekend. If there's a major trade, uh, we'll have things coming up like the happy hour, uh, which is going to be a hoot. Cannot Sean, wait. Sean is excited. Um, we're going to have things like merch oh my god uh, we got merch we got merch uh we I got have... my i got my hoodie yesterday came to my media seat and it was sitting there and i thought oh james you you couldn't even bring it to me like in the media room i had to it was literally a stumble upon surprise uh, and i'm surprised no one for. surprised no one ganked it from the seat <laughs> that it you know i was hoping that you you would be surprised because like how many more surprises could we have we have a sweatshirt in your seat, and then Coolio at halftime, and then who who said that he's undefeated when he performs for the home team at halftime? I got to hear that little exchange with with uh, Steve Nash. I also got to interview Coolio, which was kind of fun. Um, he did some cool stuff before the before the game and met with some local groups and and nonprofits and had some pretty fun discussions. and And he's a he's a, I mean interesting dude, man. I liked it. I'm going to share that interview. Probably later tonight. It's a, it's a, it's pretty fun, man. And uh, Sean, God bless the guy who sang the national anthem. Jesus Christ, bro! Come on, God bless the national anthem singer. 
took everything. I mean, it took probably half the quarter for us to settle down from that. And I've got video. I didn't share it, but no, there were some. There no. were some. There were some players that. You remember he, that Draymond uh, Green when Fergie's doing the national anthem at the at the, yeah. and he's like <laughs> trying not to laugh. There were some dudes that had their heads down and just grinning. And uh, actually, I'll say this one because everyone saw him. Chemezi Metu was not. He didn't give a damn if anyone saw him. He was just like eyes way. He's doing this, chopping his watch. Like he wasn't saying Dame time. He was saying let's get this show going. My guy trying to sing this anthem. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what happened there. Uh, God bless him. I mean, God I don't, bless him. Yeah, that's a hard thing to do, but you probably shouldn't have watched the Carl Lewis version and tried to match that one because that was that was. Where was Mo Cheeks when you needed him? Could have yeah. helped the guy through it. Yeah, <laughs> stay on, stay on yeah. rhythm here. Let's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, good God, that was bad. Sorry. Good. I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. Sorry, bro. Uh, yeah, I don't know what happened there. Um, the, it'd be like that sometimes, Sean. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Kingsbeat Podcast. Uh, for ABC 10's Sean Cunningham, I am James Ham. We'll see you very soon. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com